Welcome to Business Magic with Maggie Gila, making your business feel and work like magic for you and those you want to impact. Turns out you don't need a wand, you need a strategy. You're listening to a series I did called The Strategy Sleepover, where I invited some of my past micro-launch students and mastermind clients to talk about how they have simplified their businesses. If you're interested in learning more about the micro-launch method, my flagship course on how to market and sell your offers in three weeks or less, go to maggiegill.com slash micro-launch. Now, on to the episode. Hey everyone, Maggie here again, and this time I'm here with the Intuitive Launcher panel. This is a really, really interesting one because actually about 40%, 35% of the people who have gone through my launch archetype quiz have ended up as an intuitive launcher, yet they still want a lot of help with their marketing and sales. So I'm really excited for this panel. I have some really interesting people I brought together. We have Solveig, we have Susan, and we have Jane. I'm now going to let each of them um, give tell you a little bit about who they are and what they do. Solveig. Oh, I'm first, am I? <laughs> cool. I'm Solveig, uh, also known as Petchy, more commonly known as Petchy, probably. I'm a brand strategist and identity designer, and I basically help small business owners to really nail their brand strategy and to create um, value-driven brand identities. Love it. Susan? I am Susan DeVrient. I'm an intuitive coach and I coach highly sensitive empath and intuitive women to embrace their gifts and infuse them in their lives and businesses. Jane? Hi, yeah, I'm I am a life coach that serves multicultural people uh, that live kind of between worlds and are neither here nor there and help them to unpack all that and really uh, embrace all of who they are, find home within themselves so they can live out their purpose. I love that. I love what you do. Like, that's how we connected as well, right? Like, because I'm a what? I don't even call myself a third culture kid anymore. I think I'm like a fourth or fifth culture kid. And um, part of that identity is not really knowing where you're actually from and what your identity actually is. So I love that you're here and I can't wait to hear more about this, what you do in a second. So first question that we ask everyone, and we're going to go Solveig, Susan, Jane, just to keep zoom easier what is your top tip in keeping an element of your business simple oh um i'd say for me my my one top tip is to just like peel away the things that don't feel right for you you know the, the things that really feel hard and that you know you're coming up with resistance when you want to do them yeah sometimes it's worth pushing through but i prefer to just like yeah get rid so how do you know, though? How do you make that decision between this is something I feel resistance towards and it's something I'm going to take out and this is something I feel resistance towards, but I need to push through because my next level is beyond it? Um, I think for me, it's like I just have to try it. So um, I can pull out an example. Like everybody was telling me that I needed to create a YouTube channel. And so I tried to create a YouTube channel um, and I recorded two videos and I absolutely hated it. Uh, and then I decided that I was going to try podcasting. And that too was really, really scary in the beginning. And then I just pushed through and did it. And then I found that I actually really loved it. So that was a keeper, but the YouTube just had to. But I love what you're, sense? absolutely. Um, but I love what you're saying here. I want to just like point this out for everyone. You did try the YouTube thing. 
you felt the resistance and you said, I'm going to try anyway. And then after you did a couple, you were like, okay, my intuition is confirmed. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Susan, how about you? What's your top tip in keeping one part of your business simple? So very much like Solve. Um, I I have to feel light and fun with it. Um, otherwise, I'll get too much in my head. And then then I'll look for other outsources t- because I want to do it right. <laughs> and that's that's a clear sign I'm doing it not my way. Not necessarily mm-hmm. wrong, just not my way. So keeping it simple, fun, has to have an element of fun. So that's I love fun. that. <laughs> Those are the best projects when you, when you, you know, if they are strategic and they move you towards your, you know, revenue goals or whatever, visibility goals or whatever goals you have, but at the same time that you're like, this just feels like a fun thing to do. <laughs> so, yeah. How about you, Jane? Top tip on keeping things simple. Yeah, no, I love what um, Solvik and Susan have said and keeping things fun is super important. For me, you know, I think it's been actually just uh, practical. So for example, I wanted to do, a po- I've been wanting to do a podcast. I've been wanting to write a book. I've been wanting to do all the things. But when I started my business, I really needed to have cash flow, most importantly. Um, I needed revenue, most importantly. So I think that kept things simple by just uh, remembering my priorities. Um, I'm not going to stay in business and be able to do all those things if I don't um, first be cash flow positive. And so I invested in just instead of like forming a new channel with a new audience and everything, um, I, I thought about where I already have an audience, which is for me, my Facebook profile, you know, I've had it for so long and yeah, just uh, start building relationships with people and posting groups and things like that. So and putting all the, all the other ideas in a, in a parking lot yeah, for the future when I can handle it. <laughs> when you're ready. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a fantastic tip. Like, um, and having an idea parking lot, is amazing, especially for people. Like I think pretty much everyone here is like, you have a lot of ideas. You want to do all the things at the same time. Perfectly. Um, this is like perfection has been such a common theme in this entire, um, strategy sleepover summit. But if you have like, um, sometimes like your brain just keeps going crazy because you have these ideas and the thought process hasn't fully finished. So, right actually physically writing them down in a notebook or I have like a a sauna board, which is like idea car park, my idea bank, all my random ideas go in there. My book idea is in there. But the other thing I think that Jane, um, that you mentioned that is really important is that a lot of us, especially the kind of visionary types get distracted by the shiny objects. And there's a lot of like you, the, the idea of fun, I feel we can go down the wrong rabbit hole with it as well. When we're looking at the fun projects versus the profit and the cash flow, and can I pay myself what I want to pay myself? And can I pay my mortgage? And can I, you know, have my partner quit their job or book that holiday I want this year? So how what are your thoughts on that? Like with this, this kind of intuition, intuitive, fun, kind of go with the flow excitement side of things versus how much money do it and profit do I need to be bringing in to take all the boxes? I'll talk about it for a minute here. That's definitely something I straddle because <laughs> I'm creative and I like to have fun and I get inspired all the time. And I love your car park idea. I do similar thing. I have so many notebooks because I'm a pen to paper kind of girl. If I start putting it electronically, it just becomes another thing I have to remember. So <laughs> as soon as I write it down, you know, and I'll remember it. But um, 
Definitely. If it's fun and creative, I want to do more of that. I don't want to plan it. I don't want to, you know, and planning saves lives, I know. But <laughs> anyway, uh, that's kind of how I, so I have to write it on paper is mm-hmm. really how I organize them. And how do you find make those decisions between here's all my fun ideas. I need to make X amount of money. Do these ideas, tie, like how do you find that balance between the two? So, well, for me, I, I have to keep it simple, like what mm-hmm. Jane said. So for instance, I have a month here now that I'm doing a bunch of projects, launches and different. So I have an experiment. I always have an experiment going on because that keeps me one foot in the fun. And then I have the practical business stuff, you know, where, you know, we have to create an income, cash flow. And I get a little fun with the breadcrumbing and things like that. So I can experiment there. I have to say it. It's my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I can still have fun with the breadcrumbing, you know, but I'm still putting something that has a goal towards bringing in the money. That's how I do it. Love it. Yeah, I think for me, um, after a few years in business, you start to learn how how things work for you. And I, I certainly, it took me a while to learn what my capacity is for like my total capacity for like all of the things. And then obviously also after a few years, you start to learn what it is that actually actually brings in the money. And then, so it's, it's a, for me, a matter of balancing it all and finding that sweet spot in the intersection between where I'm allowed to do all the fun parts of running a business because hello, I wouldn't be running my own business if I didn't want to do it my way. Um, but then I need to make money as well. And so if I can find that sweet spot and that becomes easier with time, I find for myself, because now I know that, okay, I have to do a certain amount of things to actually bring in cash. Otherwise I've not got a business, I've got a hobby. But then I also know that all of my creativity, which is what I live off, you know, (laughs) is killed if I'm not allowed to do stuff in an intuitive way. So yeah, I'm just trying to balance it. Do you find that it comes with experience? Yeah, I found that it has. I mean, I've been a business owner for quite a few years now. And it's, um, I used to run an agency alongside with someone else before this company. And during those years, I definitely learned what doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, So that's a valuable experience as well. It's just, you know, do stuff and then fail and realize that, ah, that wasn't for me. And then you've learned something. And I, I generally hate giving that advice. Like I hate it of like, well, you need to do stuff and get experience and it'll come with time because as someone receiving, like I received that advice before and I was just like, well, that's not helpful for me right now. Like now I'm trying to figure out what to do. But the fact of the matter is that there are so many different strategies and tactics that could work for your business. Like Solvik, you could have a really successful YouTube channel right now. I could. You could have, <laughs> you know. But, I don't want to. but you don't want to, because when you start mm-hmm. that process, you're like, oh, this is just not what I, this is not your strength or not what I, you feel good doing, which is so important to realize that yeah, like, what I want to like pinpoint here is that there's so many strategies and tactics that could work. And your YouTube versus podcast example is perfect for this because YouTube could have worked, but for for a bit, like theoretically a business like yours, but for you as a human, you're like, the podcast mm-hmm. is working 10 times better for you. And the only reason you know that is because you tried it. Yeah, sometimes there are no shortcuts, <laughs> sadly. I feel like um, I can add a little to that. Um, I'm a newer business owner. And so 
there is this cliff sometimes. I actually was facing a financial cliff, right? Like to, to even be able to survive as, and continue doing this. And so I kind of touched on it earlier, but I guess looking at where your existing you know, relationships and, and who already knows you and um, who you, you can sense would benefit from your services, right? So it could be Facebook groups you're already in, you know, or um, wherever you're already showing up, maybe on your, yeah, for me, it's my Facebook profile. And also just even, I'm lucky that I'm in Taiwan. This is not a, I get to experience normal life. I'm sorry if it's a little bit loud, but um, yeah, it's like Friday evening in Taiwan here. And um, sometimes I meet people in person uh, or, you know, you just like at virtual networking events too. And you just strike up conversations with people, not necessarily for any real purpose per se, but it just kind of, you know, unexpectedly leads there. I think it's more just where your um, relationships already are. That's, that has worked for me so far. And then maybe, you know, I think around recently I started to try to build more of an audience outside of it, but uh, that's because I'm already making, yeah, making cash flow, right. Making enough to, to live like making a living, which is like a huge milestone for me. So I think that, that will come later. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a huge believer in relationships. Um, when I had, uh, when I went through my burnout phase, um, it was 18 months into building my business. I wasn't able to work. Like I wasn't able to think, um, what I could do though, was I could do a ton of virtual coffee calls. So for a couple of months, that was the only thing I did because that's the only thing I could do. And I'm just like, let's just do 30 minutes, get on a virtual coffee. I, this was like four or five years ago. I still have so many friends, referrals, like resources that come from those relationships I built in those couple of months. So I'm a huge, huge fan of, of, you know, even things like this is a reason that you are here. It's because I want to show you on you guys to like build relationships together. I want whoever's watching to get to know you. So um, I think that's a really, really powerful way of moving forward. But I want to dig into one thing. I've already kind of asked Sol like this. So I'm going to ask Susan and, and Jane, which is making that decision between intuition and profit and cash flow. Did I already ask that? No, I think I asked that already. I already asked that, didn't I, Susan? What was the question I wanted to ask? There was something I, the follow-up question I asked so vague. I was thinking about that. Like, this is going to be a good one to continue. Here we go. Found it in my notes. Okay, cool. How do you make decisions between tactics you, you've been told can work or you know can work? And what feels good for you? So we've already heard from Solveig about the YouTube channel versus podcast, but um, I get this a lot, especially from newer-ish entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who are at an up-level point where like something major is shifting, where they, you know, every strategist, every coach has a different approach. Like I teach about the micro-launch method. I teach about relationships and content and et cetera, et cetera. How do you decide when you're looking at all these people and all these courses and tactics between this could work for my business, but I'm not sure. And this feels good, that intuition and tactic set of things. Susan. Well, again, it kind of folds into experience because business is one thing, being a coach is another. Um, and so I have learned more and more as I've stepped into my business is to listen to my intuition. So for instance, when I look at a course, have I already learned this in several different places, you know, for, you know, the, the hook is there or whatever is what gets me. I have shiny object syndrome problems big time. <laughs> um, so I have to balance that. And I'll know 
literally no, because I will feel it in my stomach. This yes, but kind of a heat. This is my intuition. And then it just spreads out and this you have to do. And it's never failed. It always brings me the results. Um, So that's when I purchase or invest with somebody. And then, you know, not all things fire. So you invest and then you learn from that person. And then what I, I continue the whole process as I'm learning. So first I get the hot yes. And then I go, and I'm never disappointed when I have the hot yes. That's what I call it. Um, (laughs) My special words, but in, when I'm learning from somebody, I also have to check in with myself as well, because I will take on everything as a rule instead of feeling my, you know, because I'm learning. And so I've also learned this a little bit to use that, that source um, in my core. Does this work? And like what Solvik said, I got to try it first. Try it. If it doesn't work, I like the try tweak method, um, <laughs> but it works. You know, you have to make it work for you. Otherwise, it never goes anywhere for me. So I always use my intuition. But, you know, I'll try it this way. You know, oh, didn't work. Try this way. And it's not so simple. I mean, we have to do this a couple times, right? <laughs> oh, but I love that. And like for anyone who doesn't know, it's test it, tweak it, try again, which is what I share in my mantra and um, just about moving things forward. But thank you so much, Susan. That was that's it's. I'm someone who's who's gone a lot more open to my own intuition, just like in the last year i would say um before that i was just like it's just bullshit you just do the tactic and do the thing and then i start realizing no that's not true at all because your intuition is basically your subconscious that picks up all this other information that you're not even aware of and for me like scientifically that's where those feelings that you call the hot yes that's what it comes from because it's your brain gathering all the subconscious in the background, which is also why it's so important as an entrepreneur to have blank white space in your calendar. Mm-hmm. Where you don't do anything where you go for walks without a podcast. Like, I love that you said that Maggie about, you know, it's just about picking up, you know, all of the little signs because I am probably the least woo person out there. I am super pragmatic. I'm all about, you know, cold, hard facts and science but when it comes to my gut feeling, I realize that it's there's nothing like woo about it, really. It's just that when you're an intuitive person, you maybe pick up on the subtle little signs that other people will just let pass without noticing. And I think that's what it is for me, is my gut feeling is, yep. is that ability to pick up those little things. I also find that it really needs to make sense for me and align with my own values. So meaning like uh, this, this coach teaches taught me about relationship building in sales. And at first it can feel icky, right? But when you, when, when you start to understand that it's just like any other relationship you're building, that you are actually curious about the other person and you're not trying to force anything on them. And I, I guess what I'm saying is if what they're teaching is something that aligns and resonates with your prior experience and your mm-hmm. values, and it starts to make sense, then you're not just blindly following what they're teaching, but it, you're integrating into uh, what you already know to be true uh, about people and relationships and how it works. So um, that's how I would break down sort of like the intuition part of it. It just aligns with something that you know to be true already. I love that. Thank you for sharing, Jane. And and yeah, like with I've I've been teaching about relationships and leading that to sales eventually, 
or referrals or resources or learning for years because of my own experience. And it's, it's something that, you know, even when you get opportunities, right? I've had to start saying no a lot more. I've literally said no this week to three speaking opportunities that like two years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, cancel everything. I'm there. Because at a certain point, you have to, to be stronger in your decisions that you make and start looking at what is the ROI on my time, right? And if I say yes to this thing, what am I saying no to, right? Because if you say yes, doing this, you know, whatever, speaking gig, that's it's going to take you three hours. That's three hours less that you can spend with your family, go for your walks, work on your podcast, work on that project. And you have to think about like, what is that exchange worth to me? Right. But yeah. Um, so final question here about marketing. Obviously, all of you have done the micro launch method where I teach about how to market and sell your offer in a simple way. But I want to ask you, like, how do you approach simplicity with your marketing and sales? Oh, well, I think um, for me, it's it's again coming back to it has to feel good for me, but it also has to feel good for the people I'm trying to connect with and that I'm marketing to. And because my brand is very values-centered and that's what I'm all about, it just literally comes back to it needs to feel good for me and the people I'm trying to reach. And that makes it a lot easier to, you know, I don't know, weed out all of the tactics that I know that will work for a lot of people and just to come back to the things that I know give me, I don't know, butterflies in my stomach or like just, I don't know, just the stuff that doesn't feel sleazy, the stuff that doesn't feel like I'm trying to be pushy, the stuff that doesn't feel like I'm trying to con people or like the, the fake scarcity. I don't want to threaten people into working with me. I don't want to shame them into working with me. And so I think when I start to, well, when I started to honour that, then marketing ba- became a lot easier for me. So, yeah, just just listening to that gut feeling again. I I guess we're not in this intuitive launcher panel for you know <laughs> for nothing. Uh, so it comes back to just tying it back into that gut feeling. Does this feel good? If yes, go ahead. If no, okay, what can I do differently? And that's made it so much simpler for me to to know what to to do and not to do in my marketing. Love it. Thanks, Alvik. I'll go. <laughs> so simplicity with my marketing sales. It's very, I, I totally resonate with Sylvic on that because again, it's about being creative and fun and, and my values, which what I work with and how I work, it has to be very honest and open and they really have to trust me because we're talking about things that we don't always talk about in public forums. That means connection. That's how I look at marketing. Um, we're having a conversation. And this is just an extension of it. And at any time, like what Solvik said, I don't want to drag you to work with me because then that becomes a different element and you're not going to benefit. So I have to keep it simple. I like to show a little of my personality. But when it comes to the one-on-one call, it's all about just connection. What can I do? How can I help you? Even if it's not a let's work together, there's always something more to give. So connection and simplicity. 
Hope I answered that right. <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're speaking my language. I love this. And um, this is what, what marketing should be. It is about connection. It's also about using not just a relationship connection that is really important, um, especially if you like, you know, all three, all four of us here are personal brands. When someone buys from us, they are buying, you know, they're going to either talk to you on a call or they're buying your digital products that you've created that have your opinions and thoughts and values behind them. So that relationship part is so, so, so important. But at the same time, if you're looking at marketing and sales, you always have to bring it back to the transformation. I know you do that, Susan, already, but I wanted to point that out for anyone listening that it does, it goes beyond that as well, that it's about how can you help? No, you said that, like, how can you serve? You know, why do they need you? What's that next step? What's the transformation? And if you can connect these two, the connection and the transformation, the world's your oyster. How about you, Jane, making marketing and sales simpler? Well, I'll just tie it to what I learned from uh, the micro-launch method. I think one of the things that uh, I took away was the urgency and scarcity, but being done in a way that like isn't false um, because I've actually, I actually have, so my business is like um, I run coaching pods. So there really are sort of like one spot left sometimes, or, you know, there really are, um, I actually am going through a price increase right now. Um, and so it's real. Yeah. Thank you. Actually. Yeah. I'm yeah. celebrating that right now. Like I almost doubled my price. Um, you know, it's kind of like when we look at ourselves as consumers, um, sometimes there's something that we really do want to do, but you know, unless there's a deadline, like I'm not going to look into it. Um, and I think I think about it as, it's, it's both feels real from my, it is real from my perspective, but it also, I'm looking at um, what I can sense to be good for the client. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel like it's the right timing for them, um, and I can sense that at, in our conversation that they somehow are thinking to themselves they don't have time, or they're thinking to themselves that they don't have the money, um, that's a conversation. It's, it's in fact a coaching conversation um, to be like, you know, what are some of the the things you're telling yourself that are actually keeping you from the transformation that you could have. And it's a fine line, right? Like you really have to, that's where the intuition comes in, um, where you're really sensing, is this, is this really true for them that they really don't have, like where, you know, and you have to respect people like at some point, right? Like that's where they are at. But, but then you can also sense when they really are looking for that help. um, But they're just kind of, uh, those same excuses are coming up and then you help them to see that and you help them to, I think in the conversation aligned with what they have shared is important to them, right? And you just kind of point out that this is actually going to help you at this point to get to where you want to be. Some people will say, oh, I'm in job transition right now. I don't have time to think about it. I'll be like, well, this is the precise time to get clear on who you are, right? And this investment will really help. You know, so it's things like that. And if they're like, no, still, that I have had people who have said yes after that. I've had people who said no after that. And they will still trust their own intuition on that. But I think it's, it's powerful to realize that there are, there is actually built-in urgency and scarcity in what we do because we have, as you said, Maggie, like a limited time and uh that's just, yeah, there's limited opportunities and sometimes there's a, the right timing presents itself with a certain client and you want them to know that. Absolutely. Jane, thanks so much for sharing. Um, Solveig, Susan, Jane, you've been absolutely brilliant. Is there Are there any like parting words you want to share as we close off? I just want to say thank you for this opportunity, Maggie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you. It's been great to have you. Thank you all so much for being here. Really appreciate you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the Microlaunch Method, which is my flagship program on how to market and sell an offer in three weeks or less in a really simple way that's aligned to your strengths, your goals, and your personality, head on over to maggiegila.com forward slash microlaunch.